Hello Life Changes Church, welcome to our YouTube channel. We have got an amazing word prepared for you, so why don't you take out your notebook and your pen as we get ready to listen to what God has for us. Gabe preached last week what I thought was a beautiful message. I asked him to preach just as before he goes on sabbatical, something of his passion for the church. More than a building. More than a building. And if you haven't listened to it, go listen to it. But a reminder to my heart and our hearts about the wonder, the glory, the splendor of the local church and why we gather on a Sunday morning. Even driving here this morning at, at, at about quarter past seven or whatever it was and getting my car going, yo, this is cold. Then realizing I can't see anything because everything's wet and misted up. So if there's a car coming from the left to the right, I'm done, but I'm just going to go in faith. You know the story. That's how we kept Tony's roll. Unless you're winding down the windows, or like you, you just got to drive in faith. And, and, and then going, but what a privilege to gather. And Gabe reminded us last week that, that church is a place where we find family. It's a place where, where people who don't have family can come and, and people who come from other nations can come and we find family together. And we, we move forward as family. Remind us that's an army, that there is a mission. There's gonna be casualties, there's gonna be pain, there is an enemy, but we're on a mission together. It's an army. We, he reminds us of a hospital. It's a place where we believe that a church without the broken is a broken church. It's not just something we say, but we believe it. So if you're broken and you're here and you're going, what if people found out my brokenness? Welcome to the party. Because we all came in somehow and we're all on a journey of healing. If he reminded us that's a field where we sow seed and we bind to the kingdom of God and with faith we get to see fruit and we are part of something that's bigger than ourselves. And he reminded us lastly that it's his bride. And, and there's something about learning to love his bride that is beautiful and will be perfect and spotless when he returns. But in the process, there's a healing to his bride. And, and, and I love that joke that people put out. There's something like going to church and saying church Christians are hypocrites is like going to gym and wondering why they're larger sized, unfit people around them. It's like, it doesn't make sense. You, that didn't land. Is that the joke? That, that is it. It's like we go to gym like, they don't look fit. Why should I go to? I used to judge the comrades. I grew up in Durban. And you see these big people running, like large people. And the next minute they've got like 30 comrades. I'm like, that's unbelievable. And it's like they we come to church. Why well, is not everyone perfect? I saw that guy. He didn't even use his indicator coming to church. Didn't even use it. And we've got to remind him that there's a, there's a call to love his broken bride in the interim. I had to learn as a husband to love my wife who, when I married her as a ballerina, she danced five, six times a week, strong fit, and then she got chronic back pain and couldn't exercise for years and could barely get out of bed, and you've got to, you've got to learn to love again. You've got to deal with some things, and I'm telling you, if you've been in church for more than a year, 10 days sometimes, 20 years, you can learn to love his bride and, and, and grow on that journey. And I, just the last two weeks have just been community at different levels for me, challenging. Two weeks ago on a Tuesday morning on a very early six o'clock flight that I know some of you do often, I got on a plane and went back to celebrate the life of a beautiful lady who her and her husband taught me community. They taught me around a, a dining room table in a, in a, in a home that was um, kind of in, in an interesting area, and, but I sat around and I thought I got a special invitation to dinner and then I realized a lot of people got that invitation to dinner. And we sat around the dining table and we ate soup and the soup wasn't great, but the laugh was incredible. The stories, the grace, the faith uh, around the table. And, and I went to go celebrate that life and I wept. As I stood in the, in the church where I made decisions to follow Jesus. My first memory as I walked into this building, I, I realized that they had, changed, they had painted the front wall of the church black. 
And, and the very man I was coming to stand next to who, who we were celebrating the life of his wife, who just lost his wife, he was the man who stood in front of me one day and said, young man, you will never paint a wall in this church black. And as I walked out, I just burst into laughter thinking, this is fun. And then I walked up to the front and he stood there and he's a beautiful man with gray hair who I've known most of my life. And he saw me and he just did this. He started crying because he realized I got on a plane to be there just to stand with him. I wasn't saying anything because of the church. Not a name of church, not a brand of church, not a style of church. The church, he's my brother. He was a father for many years. And now he's a brother. Uh, uh, and and, and the, the, this week said highs and down, lows. There's been um, this, the celebration of babies born. And then on Thursday, I, had, I got to go to Ntabasing in Rovio's house and say goodbye to a lady who, who encountered the life of God and community, who passionately, passionately loves this community, who has to move to Joburg as God has moved her and her husband and their brand new little baby in this community. But for her to move is, is wrenching. It should be like that. It should be like that for all of us. And we stood in this little flat with Mona Lisa and Romeo and, and Tabasing crying and thanking God for the privilege of doing life together and celebrating the birth of this beautiful little girl, but then also weeping and sending them out. I just, I'm, I'm sharing something of heart. It's a one-off preach today. Also, to be honest, the last weeks have been weeks of navigating a personal relational challenge with someone. Someone I love dearly. It's kept me up at night. And you, you won't know. You don't need to know. Someone I love dearly. And, and this is, we call to navigate these things. Then we call to go back to the Bible and say, well, how do you navigate it? You don't have another choice. You want to sing praise to Jesus? Well, then you submit to his ways. And you keep going back. And then, and then this week, the funeral of a man my age who I've known for 20 years. who has got two young girls and a beautiful wife who took his life. And, and I would never have known him if it wasn't for the church, and I'd never weep sitting in a city if it wasn't for the church. Then last Saturday night, there are some highs. I'm just telling you, this is my life. It's a life of, you want to join the church? It's a life of highs and lows. Yeah. Saturday night, I was a bit tired. To be brutally honest, I was a bit grumpy. But there was a worship gathering, so I thought I'd go to Will and John Monique's house. Shout out to Will who told me he'd be in bed this morning. We find your will, don't worry, the church, the kingdom of God, you enjoy bed. And um, he's on band tonight, so they're coming tonight. But I arrived and I realized there was something happening here when Christoph, who's on band today, and you mostly know him as quiet, starts doing a song in French and dancing like this. I think something's happening here. And we just, we literally sang and laughed and my soul rose again amongst people who it wasn't for the local church. In that room were different nationalities, different languages spoken, different backgrounds, different skin colors, different everything, but one thing in common, the love of God. It's the church. And, and I'm, not, I'm not trying to inspire, I'm, I'm trying to just tell you that, that, that criticism comes in these things. I had someone from, I don't know where, get my email and start bombing me emails. I'm like, do you know you're not telling people they're selling? I'm like, ah, okay, cool. Just tell me what church you're in, what community you're in, and let's navigate. And then I'll answer your questions. I can't get an answer to that, but I'm still getting more questions. I'm like, have you ever even listened to what we, I've just been telling people about sexuality and God's ways and and everyone's saying, you can't say that. And then I've got Chris saying, well, you're not saying enough. I'm like, well, how do we navigate this world with sanity? Well, I want to give us something of a strategy because processing for me, even Gabe and Fee going is a reminder to me, it's almost 10 years for us at Life Changes in one church. 
to be brutally honest, when we came, I didn't think we'd be here more than six, seven years. And yet God's gracious kindness and goodness and his favor, it's the, it's the most glorious years of highs and lows, weddings and funerals, lives lived and deaths, salvations. So, so what do we live? How do we live? And I want to take us to one scripture this morning just to help us through. Just one. One that helps me. It anchors me. And it's written by Peter. If you know Peter, yes, Peter, he's that guy. He was Simon, his name changed to Peter. He was a fisherman. And God called him into something. And he writes, there's two books, one Peter and two Peter. He was the guy who denied Christ three times. He's that guy. I'll never deny you. I don't even know him. He was the guy who when they came to rest Jesus, he just, he just reacted. He just whoop, out of the sword, whoop, up of the ear. Malchus lost his ear that day. You know Malchus? That guy. Jesus just healed. He's this guy, and he writes in this story, and he's the same guy Jesus said, on this rock I build my church. And so he's writing into a context that's now 30, 35 years later, after the death of Christ. For decades, he's been doing life in community. He's no longer the young fisherman, irrational, fired up. He stepped into a role of a sage, of a someone with wisdom, of someone whose decades has served God at personal sacrifice. And he writes this book, but a year or two from his own death, a death because of the gospel. And he writes this book at a time that what happens in AD 64 is, is, is the city of Rome begins to burn and 10 out of 16 regions of Rome burned down. And some say Nero did it, but no one actually knows. We just know it happened and he needed a scapegoat. So he chose the Christians because they were already hated. They were already hated by the people. They were already hated by the Romans. He blames them and he calls for the persecution of the Christians. And at that time, Peter decides to write this letter to five areas in Asia Minor to stand, to stand amidst suffering, to stand amidst trial, and to stand at this time. And in some ways, you maybe, you think, well, it's a call. I mean, I don't know, remember, but, but when fear comes upon people and pers- people want to run and hide, they start buying up gold so they can hide away because they can't trust currencies. They start putting food in the, in the underground of their house. You watch these amazing series of people who've built bunkers for the day they need to go underground for 20 years. And maybe you think, maybe he'd write something like that. Well, into that context, he writes this. And I think it can help us. It says this in 1 Peter 4 verse 7. The end of all things is near. <laughs> Therefore, be of sound judgment and sober spirit for the purpose of prayer. Above all, keep fervent in your love for one another because love covers over a multitude of sins. Be hospitable to one another without complaint. As each one has received a special gift, employ it in serving one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Whoever speaks it is to do so as one who is speaking the utterances of God. Whoever serves is to do so as one who is serving by the strength which God supplies so that in all things, all things, God may be glorified through Christ Jesus to whom belongs the glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. I want to talk about living on the edge. We're living in times that's on the edge. Everyone's on edge. It's like, you, you, even that preacher did, you can't say that. Some people are saying, well, you can't say that. And they're coming from this side. On the other side, Christians are saying, you can't say that. I'm like, what can we say? I'm not sure anymore. I just want to preach the Bible. And so everyone's on edge. Everyone's triggered. And, and in these times, God calls us and gives us strategy. Go back to the word. I want to go to a sage. 
I want to go to someone who walked with Jesus, served Jesus, had many, many failures, but stood up again and served God for a long time with his life being given up for the gospel. Number one, the end is near. Not in a, in, a, in a scary way, standing on the corner with a badly painted street sign, shouting at the world, the end is near, you're going to hell. No. A reminder to the Christians that we're living in an age. No, he didn't get it wrong. He went, oh, Mark, that was 2,000 years ago. Shame Peter got it wrong. No, the end is near. A statement that in the movement of eternity towards Jesus coming again, there's got to be something of an urgency in my life and yours. And when we're lacking something of an urgency, we were sitting on a couch spiritually comfortable. I'm telling you, we're doing nothing for the kingdom of God when we forget. It's a wake-up call to what? Not a, to get anxious. Oh, the end is near. The end is near. The end is near. Christians running around going, the end is No. Not at all. Get equipped. Get your army. Get your weapon of choice. No. To pray. To pray. It says, the end of all things is near. Therefore, be of sound judgment and sober spirit for the purpose. There's a purpose, and that purpose is prayer. The funny thing is this guy calls us to sound judgment and sober spirit. Let me just tell you was Matthew 26, I tell you the truth, Jesus answered, this very night before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. But Peter declared, this guy, even if I have to die with you, I will never disown you. Little girl comes, aren't you with him? No. Someone, aren't you with him? No. Slinks off into the back. He's, he's also the guy, I mentioned earlier, John 18, then Simon Peter, having a sword, drew it and struck the high priest slave and cut off his right ear. The slave's name was Malchus. Jesus says to Peter, put your sword into his sheath. Shall I not drink the cup which the Father has given me? And then Jesus heals. He's that guy. He's the guy who denies, who, who lies, who fails, then chops off an ear. And, and he's calling us now not to react He's calling us now after years of walking, after facing trials, tribulation, oppression, and seeing the forefront of the gospel. He's saying, church, would you pray? I just want to call us to pray. Uh, and, and why pray? Well, it's an increase in grace. And we find his grace pours over. And it's an answer to our petitions that we can come and we can speak. And it's also to enjoy the presence of the living God. And often I'll sit with people and I love the privilege of counseling and I love the privilege of sitting with people in tough times of life. I really do. But we'll talk, we'll talk, we'll talk and then I say, hey, but have you prayed? And, and I love the honesty of people. No. Most people don't lie in that situation. They're just very honest. Like, if I lie here, I might get struck with lightning. So I'm going to be honest like that. I don't know. There's some religious thing. I don't know. But, but most people are very honest. No, I'm going, well, why haven't you prayed? You're asking me to talk to God on your behalf, but the Bible says you can engage God. You can enjoy his presence. You can bring your petitions. You can come before God with all your pain, and you can sit there, and you can allow the God of heaven to speak. And church, I'm calling us in these times living on the edge to pray, which means taking time out. I am completely ADD, completely, like ADHD, I'm all the D's combined together. Like you put me in a room, I, the walls start moving. I, start, I just struggle to sit in a room, to be honest. I, I, like there's a budgie, I don't even know. It flew past the window. It, like it's, I'm that guy. And the Bible calls me, not because I'm a preacher man, 
because I'm a son of the living God, to take time to sit in his presence and pray, to talk, to engage, to relate with the God of heaven. That's the privilege that we have. So the question Paul's asking, he says, have you prayed? Because the Bible tells us, and Paul instructs us in Philippians, do not be anxious about anything. Gee, that's a big call in this world. Everyone's anxious. If they, they asked Gen Z, they said, what's the number one, the number one word that describes your generation? Overwhelmed. 10,000 images every day. It's what the average American Gen Z has to engage with. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace, the peace, the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your heart and your minds in Christ Jesus. I'm not an anxious individual. Some seem to get born, and, and I can see it in my boys, they're different. Some seem to get born with anxiety, and some get, get born with confidence, and like, I can take over the world, and somehow they kind of intersect at times. They meet each other through circumstance. I, I kind of thought I could take down anything. I don't know why, I just did. But then you come to a point where you realize, I can't, and the enemy wants to come into something called anxiety, and the Bible says, do not be anxious about anything. But it doesn't just leave us there. By prayer. Poor Peter, after all his years, after his failures, I'm pretty sure he cut off a few more ears along the way. We just don't know. I'm pretty sure he failed. I'm pretty sure he lied once or twice. And I'm pretty sure in the journey there was walking and stumbling, but I'm pretty sure he got to a place in his life where he could all of author with authority speak. He speaks to us today. He continues. He says, above all, keep fervent in your love for one another because love covers over a multitude of sins. He's done church when the church was new. There were no rules, no systems. It was just all news. Like, let's do church. Yeah, let's gather. And this apostle's fighting with this apostle and they can't make mates and this. But the kingdom of God's advancing in all the mess. And then the Corinthians are doing their thing and, you know, sleeping with their mother-in-laws and stuff. It's just all happening. Welcome to the Bible. Don't get shocked. Read the Bible. It's in there. There's chaos. He's lived through all of it. And after all these years, under great oppression, he writes to the church, he says, above all, keep fervent in your love for one another. This fervency, this exhibiting of great intensity of love that isn't easily waned. Yes, fervent in love for other Christians. Yes, he's writing to the church, but he's not addressing it. He's saying fervent in your love. He's challenging the church to be fervent in the love for their persecutors too. It's a challenge. But Peter, you know they're trying to kill us, eh? Be fervent in your love. See, Jesus continually forgave those who treated him poorly, especially the people who crucified him. He says, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they do. If I want to be a Jesus follower, it means I have to follow in his ways, which means I've got to be fervent in my love. And Peter instructs us, says, his why, he says, because it covers over a multitude of sins. I cannot forgive sin, only Jesus can do that. But I can cover over my brother's sin time and time and time again. I can do that. And so can you. It says in Proverbs 10 verse 12, hatred stirs up strife, but love covers all sins. In other words, there's one requirement to fervent love. It's this, it's it's fervent forgiveness. Matthew 18, then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times? This same Peter, this is how clueless he was when he was young. 
says, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother who sins against me? Why is he asking that? Because a brother sinned against him. He's processing. It's like that stupid question you ask that you don't know if you should, but you put it out there anyway. He's that guy. Just up to seven times, he says. He gives like a big number. He goes, big. So I could go one, two, he goes, seven. Jeeva says, I tell you, not even seven times, but 77 times. 77 times. It's a lot of times, eh? So you want to cover over? 77 times. Doesn't mean you start counting 47, 48, 49. Oh, we're getting close now. No, that's not what he's talking. He's presenting a truth that challenges the smallness of my heart and your heart. says, actually, if you want to live on the edge with Jesus to see his life come, I'm speaking as a man who's failed so many times. I've cut off ears with reaction. I've, I've hated. I've denied. But I'm speaking now in my last year of life before I lose my life with the gospel. Fervent love which challenges us in community as we navigate fervent honesty. Proverbs 27, verse 6, faithful are the wounds of a friend, but the kisses of an enemy are lavish and deceitful. Faithful are the wounds of a friend, which I'm calling us to be a people who are fervently honest with each other. Even if you think, oh, they're not going to like it. They're not going to like it. I'm not called and you're not called to bend a message that everyone likes. But if there's fervent love and you bring fervent honesty to the table, I promise you what breaks in is the Spirit of God. It doesn't matter. And fervent faithfulness. We call to be faithful friends, which means good times and bad times. It means when you're on your game and when you're not. It means when your friend phones and when he doesn't. He continues. He says, be hospitable to one another without complaint. Speaks hospitality definition in the Bible is welcoming the stranger, not just your mates who can give back to you. It's welcoming the stranger. I went to my first baby shower yesterday. Oh, oh. I have dodged those things for years. Woo, woo. So you want to see a sidestep of a springbok? I'm the best. Oh, nappy bras. I've still not gone to one of those yet. Sorry, boys. <laughs> But baby showers, where I come from, culturally, normally, it's just the ladies who go. But my wife had her 40th birthday. She was at them. My kids were at their jaws. So I thought I represent because Norman and Rumbi were celebrating a miracle baby. A miracle baby that, that people in their lives and people in this community have prayed for for years. But I walked in, I got to a house, and where am I? And then I realized this is the new house of a family in our church who built this brand new house. It's barely months old. It only got commissioned or signed off last month. But they opened their brand new house up wide to host this event for a beautiful couple in our church. And people started to arrive, and I realized this is beautiful. This is church. This is welcoming with open arms. Not, oh, don't touch that. That's new furniture. Oh, that's a fancy. No, none of that. Come. Come. I just realized it's just hospitality. It says, do it without grumbling. Do it without grumbling. You know, Doug and Sheena, this couple I told you about, this lady I celebrated life last week, they taught me community around their table, and they taught hundreds. And their daughter got up, I think it was their daughter, at her funeral and said, we started to count how many people lived in our home. But then my brother and I realized we needed some parameters for that because there's been a lot. So we put three months as the minimum time. Just people pulling in. I'm not talking about borders. I'm talking about people just living there. 39 people that they could remember in their lifetime had lived in their home with their family because their parents lived with wide open doors because the gospel had brought them into a wide open door gospel. 
thought, God, would my heart not get small? To be honest, I got birthed into a radical community that never closed their doors. I could pitch up at anyone's home, anytime, and I did. When I was 19 years old, my parents got liquidated. I would just pitch up at people's homes at 6 o'clock and say, what are you guys doing? Oh, you're eating dinner. Awesome. I'll join you. <laughs> oh, it's 3.30 on a Saturday. Oh, you're watching Springboks. Didn't know. Can I watch? And the answer was always yes. We've got to be the church. And a sage writes, 35 years after the passing of Christ, one year before he dies, after learning lessons, he says, fervent love, radical hospitality. And then two more challenges. He says, give away the gift. So verse 10, as each of you has received, each of you, every single person, with confidence, he writes, each of you has received a special gift. Employ it, which means put it to work. Put it to work, employ it in serving one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Whoever speaks is to do so as one who's speaking the utterances of God. Whoever serves is to do so as one who's serving with the strength of God. And, and yesterday I get to this, this baby shower that I was a little bit nervous about. I don't know what goes on at baby showers. What are they, like, am I going to have to put a nappy on a kid? I, like, I don't know what I'm going to do there. And I get there, and there's a, a beautiful lady from our community called Leanne Moses, and she's just operating, and she's putting dry ice, and there's all sorts of things coming, and there's drinks played out, and there's tables, and then, and then they need an MC. Who rise? Oh, Louise Swartz. I'll MC. Takes over. Just next minute, we're doing games, singing songs. Oh, this is... Then she had to leave. Then Wilfred said, I'll take over. He's the next MC. Like, this is unbelievable. Because they're different gifts in people. Some want to serve and some just want to. And then I go to the kitchen and there's ladies packing away. And, and I realize there's just this community that's different gifts. We're differently gifted. We need to celebrate those gifts. But the way we celebrate them is by bringing them. Behind these walls, there's people serving kids who love serving kids. It's the only area in the church. I've put out chairs. I've worked on band. I've, I've done everything except for kids. Why? Because I'm scared. But some people have got a grace of God. There's a beautiful man named Coach Oscar in our church. He comes in the evening service. My kids love him. Love him. I think he's still the deputy president of the South African Congress of Nigerian people or something. He's got some really high position. But he loves coming to this community and serving. I think, thank you, Lord, for Coach Oscar, who teaches my kids, and they love him. Thank you for Sharon Kilinadu. We came to church last week even though I just lost a family member. And they still came. Thank you, Father, for your church. He says you've got to steward that well, which means you've got to bring it. And I'm reminded of the talents. And Jesus says, well, the master gave five to the one, two, and one. And the guy with one, he just got nervous, so he buried it. But the guy with five, he went and traded those five and brought back a whole bunch. And Jesus says, well, you can have more. I want to be one of those stewards. Will you too? Will you give away gifts? And lastly, simply this, so that in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. All things. When you're high and when you're low, when you're good and when you're not, when you're celebrating and when you're struggling, so that in all things to whom belongs the glory and dominion forever and ever. You want a true northern life. You want to find out how to live in your areas of emotions, of sexuality and finance. Live for the glory of God. I promise you won't go wrong. I promise you, if there's faith in living for the glory of God, God will honor every single time that we endeavor. Whether it is our parenting, we're going, I don't know if I'm getting this right. No parent does. Shake off 
the responsibility of being God. Take on the responsibility of being a steward. And say, God, I need your grace to do this well. As best as I can. In all things, in my husbanding, my friendships, my thought life, my finance, my emotions, my handling of tough time situations, all things. Peter writes, after really having a very bumpy start, I'll never deny you. Then falling asleep in the garden multiple times. Go read the Bible. He's a failure. Wakes up, still blurry, doesn't know who they are. Chops off an ear. Say, flip, I met the other ear. I mean, he wasn't even a good shot. I mean, who takes off an ear? It's like, who's going for an arm? Jesus says, Peter, trust me. Peter the rock. Jesus keeps speaking to his character, his design. And years later, just before his own death for the gospel, he writes a letter to the church. It says, fervent love. Church, the end is near. Fervent love. Welcome the stranger. Give away the gifts. And do it all for the glory of God. You want a roadmap to navigate these times of living on the edge? Go read 1 Peter 4, verse 7 to 9. Can we stand this morning? I realize this is, we normally preach in series. We're just doing a couple one-off preachers just to help the church and move us. And I, I just felt like this word is for us. tell you I sat at that well, I didn't really sit because no one was sitting but I was at a worship this evening with the worship teams who come and serve and they're here on Sundays at 6 o'clock in the morning and all got jobs on Monday morning I know what that was like I did it for years I'd go in on 8 o'clock on a Monday morning and my MD would look at me and say you're right and I was oh, amazing I had a great weekend and I was sleep just pouring out my eyes I said amazing he says you look drunk I said no, I promise you I'm not I was just at church a lot then I got to stand there and watch them sing karaoke. And this guy here singing Brian Adams and nailing it, just by the way. Thank you, God, for the church. Outside the church, Ivor and his beautiful family wouldn't be my friends. I don't know. In a world where we love to put up walls, and those beautiful families at the back there, the Matthews family with the little man with gorgeous hair and the twins sitting next to him sitting in church I said thank you God for the church thank you for your goodness thank you that over the Matthews family there's been prayer there's been desires there's been God calling there's been prophecy there's been a couple who've trusted God and we've got to witness that and then to stand in the presence together and go thank you God for what you've done thank you for the church let faith arise let courage arise to live big lives whether you're living on the edge or in comforts, let faith arise. Can we lift our hands? What an amazing, amazing word. If you would like to find out about what's happening in the life of the church, why don't you follow us on our social media, Instagram or Facebook, or you can go into our website, lifechanges.org.za. Thank you so much for watching that video. Be blessed.